so many people hate their own response to the following question. So what does your company actually do? Because in this moment, my friend, you have three options, okay? Number one, pitch slap your prospect. Number two, fumble your way through a long-winded response. And number three, deliver a punchy elevator story that sparks intrigue. Now, if you're nodding your head at number three, but you're like, hold up, I don't even know where to begin, then hey, don't worry. I've got your back. All right, head on down to www.theravirajani.com forward slash your elevator story to unlock your very own free elevator story script, template, and guide. Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. Yes, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of the show. Now, last year, around December time, if I'm not mistaken, I recorded an episode on a podcast called the Sales Leadership Podcast for a dude called Rob Jepson. Now, since then, I've had so many different messages from various sales reps and sales leaders about the impact that that episode had on the way that they viewed storytelling. So I thought, you know what? Let me bring it to you this week, my community, and hopefully you get some value from it. All right. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I am so excited for the conversation we're going to have today. I'm pumped to welcome Ravi Rajani to the show. Ravi's one of the top storytelling experts in the world. Ravi helps sales teams everywhere learn the art and the science of storytelling and sales. Now, Ravi helps sales teams do all kinds of things. They increase their average deal size. They create more natural conversations. They reduce sales cycle time. They handle and sometimes completely eliminate common objections before they even arise. And ultimately, teams that Ravi works with, they close more deals every quarter. And he does this by helping them become high-impact storytellers. Storytelling is a critical skill for every modern salesperson and sales team. And Ravi... He helps salespeople in every industry have this become a more natural part of how they make how they sell become their competitive advantage. Now, as we wrap 2022 and we're getting ready to enter 2023, I believe we're going to have to upgrade our skills across the board in order to thrive. And one of those places you need to be intentional about how you upgrade your skill set and those in your team, it's got to be in storytelling. And that's why I had to have Ravi on the show. I've been chasing him down. I'm excited to have him here. You are all in for a treat as we welcome someone who will help every single leader listening to this show rethink how we use stories. Ravi's a highly sought after speaker. He's the host of his own podcast, and he runs a ridiculously successful consulting practice where he teaches storytelling to sales teams worldwide. If you can't tell, I am pumped to get started. Ravi, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. What's happening, brother? How you doing, man? You know, it's funny. I said to uh, you in the green room just before we started, I was like, man, I need to ask you to join the stage with me anytime that we uh, we have a workshop or a talk because, man, you got so much energy. I love it. I love it. Anytime you need me to be your uh, Hugo blower, man, I'm your guy. I- I'm a fan of you <laughs> and what you do. This is going to be fun. Thank Thanks, you, man. It's, it, uh, welcome to our show. Welcome to 50,000 sales leaders around the world. Excited to uh, hear, hear our conversation today. 
why don't you start by introducing yourself and tell us about your firm and what you do for your customers? Okay. Well, hey, ladies and gents, what's going on? What is happening now? You're probably thinking, who is this dude with a weird British accent? You know, it's funny, Rob, most people go, man, you sound so posh. You sound like the queen. I say, come over here and you'll realize I sound like trailer trash. Trust me. But uh, what do I do? Stop. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do? Well, I work with predominantly a lot of SaaS sales teams and help them ditch feature selling so they can sell more through storytelling. And for me, the currency and the vehicle to do that is through trust, building and accelerating trust. All right, man. That's a really, really interesting start because calling trust a currency is one of my favorite things. Mm. I believe that trust is the currency of every relationship, personal and professional. I can't wait to dive into that. As we get ready to go, I I love your background. Thank you for sharing that. What made you say storytelling is what I want to focus on? What was a little bit of the background there to have you say, I'm going to become a storytelling expert. I'm sure there's something interesting there. Well, dude, I definitely didn't pop out my mother's womb and be like, hey, I want to be a storyteller and a speaker. <laughs> like, it's, I don't think that's how anybody's story begins. But nope. I remember very specifically, I was, I was around eight or nine years old and my mum literally shoved me into the same dance school as my little sister. Okay. And I remember thinking, on the face of it, I was furious. I was so angry because I was the only dude in school in dance class, and I didn't want anybody to know my dirty little secret, but inside I was like, man, this is dope. This is incredible. And I fell in love with the stage. And eventually a couple of years later, she didn't let me quit, thankfully. But I ended up completely by accident stumbling into theatre as a teen. Hey, and growing up, go. people would always say, yo, Rav, when are you going to take this whole speaking, presenting or acting thing seriously? Because we think you're pretty good at it. And Rob, in my head, I was like, uh... No, like, no, I want to make some money. My ego was like, go make some money, go chase that status. And that's what I did. You know, I ended up completing a business school degree. Uh, I ended up going to business school, completing my master's. And I ended up in corporate sales on the trading floor at Citibank. And man, even though I met so many amazing people, it was everything I had wanted on paper. But when I got there, I was like, ah. Is this what it's going to be for me moving forward? And on paper, it was the dream. But in reality, I felt like I was meant for something more, brother. And in 2016, in August, I decided to press eject. And I launched myself into the world of building sales teams in early stage startups, rather coaching, dabbling in the world of coaching, consulting, dabbling in the world of TV over here in the UK and radio. But over time, Rob, I realized these three things. Okay. Number one was why do all sales presentations look feel and sound exactly the same. Number two, why do they include literally no storytelling, little to no storytelling? And why do salespeople secretly feel scared of showing up as who they truly are because they feel like they're going to alienate their prospects? And it's led me to my big vision, brother, of what I do now, which is helping SaaS sales teams ditch feature selling and sell more through storytelling, but in a way that doesn't compromise who their reps are or their values. Okay. That is a badass introduction. Those three questions, I don't care if you're a SaaS company or a finance company, you mentioned city or a manufacturing or industrial company, those three questions apply to any sales leader. I think mm. that's not, that's not unique just to SaaS. Yeah. So you got a lot of people that are all, going, all right, man, they're, they're, they're having a Jerry Maguire moment. They're saying you had me at hello right now. Okay. So let's talk about that. Like those three questions sets the stage really, really well. So 
if our listeners haven't figured out, we're going to talk about storytelling today. We're going to talk about storytelling as a skill. We're going to talk about storytelling as something that we use as a primary vehicle. Why is storytelling so important? Because it has, it's emerged, it's in my mind, one of the critical skills to have. Why is it, why is it such a big deal, Ravi? You know, for me, I can talk about it from my perspective and my lens and the way I view the world and my yeah. experiences. And for me, it is what really keeps the world going. It's how movements are built. It's how people inspire one another. It's how we motivate one another to take action. But more importantly, if you think about it like this, my friend Amy Volas talks about it in terms of developing connective tissue with people. Mm. And I think in a world where since the pandemic began, where everything went online, we're virtually a remote first world, people are craving intimacy and they're craving connection. And competing on features, inauthentic discounts every single quarter, monotone, oh, I suppose monotone presentations is the best way to put it. Everything looks, sounds, and feels the same. And for me, in my opinion, there's two things that nobody can compete with you on. And one, that's your story. And two, that's your unique method to take your clients from pain to glory. Nobody has the same vehicle as you because they don't have the same experience and nobody has your story, period. So those two things, when you own it and truly have a system around crafting it, it's very, very powerful. Now, we could go into the science and the art of storytelling and why it's important. But as a matter of fact, let's, let's just be real with it. Nobody likes being sold to but everybody likes buying. And I tell yes. you what, I tell you what, man, storytelling is one of the most impactful ways to influence people without being icky, salesy, or inauthentic. That's awesome right there. We could just stay in this theme. Storytelling, you're right. As I listen to you, not being icky, it's being authentic. You talked about trust already. Like what I'm thinking as I listen to you, storytelling is a reason to give people, it's a way to give people what I'm going to call reason to believe maybe reason to believe in you as a partner, reason to believe in you as someone that's not just trying to jam something on them, reason to believe that maybe you can help them do something that they have prioritized. Am I summarizing? Am I restating? Am I putting a fair label on what you just said? Like is giving reason to believe or, yeah, or brother, no doubt. And I see it also, Rob, as a, a tool to shift perspectives, meaning Robert, are you a smoker by any chance? Are you a no, smoker? No, I'm not. No. Right, let's imagine Rob was, right? Ladies and gents, okay. let's imagine Rob was a smoker, okay? okay? And Rob smokes 30 a day, and he smoked 30 a day for the past 20 years. And I said, Rob, listen, brother, I got this cool product. And you're like, what's this product, right? And I say, man, listen, it's this thing which is going to help you cure your addiction to nicotine forever. And you say, how much is it? Say, yeah, my eyebrows are up. My eyebrows yeah, are up. Exactly. I say, it's just X. And you say, oh, like, X meaning whatever price tag you want to put on it. You say, well, tell me about it. And I feature dump. I say, yep. well, it does this. And then you do this. And then the app does this. And it's going to track your nicotine levels. And you're thinking, hmm, well, I'm kind of fine as I am. I haven't got any health problems. Things haven't really gone that bad. Do I really want to change the status quo? I'm good. I'm all right. Now, the thing here is you're ingrained in a habit, in a habit rather. You've been ingrained in a specific habit that, really hasn't caused you much pain yet. So a story allows you to elicit an emotion and that emotion should initiate or challenge a specific belief or initiate a new perspective. And once that's embodied by the prospect, that can inspire them to take action. So think about Steve Jobs, 1984, January 24th, he released the Macintosh. He didn't come out on stage and say, hey, 
look at my shiny features. And what he did was he came out and he illuminated the villain, which was IBM. That was yeah. his narrative. So yeah. he presented the problem through story so that somebody understood that they actually have a problem that they need to uh, solve it. Otherwise, it's going to cause them a ton of pain. And then he presented his solution. So really a long-winded way of saying the following, that really it's a beautiful way to change minds and shift perspectives so you earn the opportunity to impact somebody. Because I don't know about you, man. I've never been impacted by somebody who hasn't influenced me first. Such a smart thing. I hope everybody's listening to this as a sales leader. Our job is to not convince people. Like no one wants to be convinced. That's why you have so many people that have buyer's remorse. But I love how you said it's how you shift perspectives. It's not get them to do something they don't want to do. It's it's I love that how you can help people choose to change their minds and then as a result shift their perspectives. I love it. I, I love that approach. Why do you think so many salespeople don't follow it? Because people who are great at that, they stand out. And in, there's a lot of salespeople who haven't figured that out. Any thoughts on the why so few are still selling that way? I think it's often the, the sitting down and getting a pen and paper out and saying, what fundamentally am I trying to have somebody do? And it's ultimately create change and Love shift this. their behavior, right? So anything, whether you're a sales leader trying to deliver a new comp plan, you're selling a change from the status quo. Whether you're trying to get money for your idea, you're trying to shift somebody's belief system and change the status quo. When you're trying to influence a prospect to displace their current provider in a recession and ultimately move away from just sitting there in analysis paralysis and doing nothing and staying as they are, you're trying to shift their behavior and create change. And I think when you start thinking about unique ways in which you can create change, which are experience driven. Cause I feel like stories create such a cool experience. Yeah. It just, it, it's like, it opens you up. It, it, yes. it makes the sponge ready to receive water, right? Yes, exactly. Brother. And I feel like in today's world, man, we crave experiences. I mean, why is Disney so successful? <laughs> Cause they provide an incredible experience through story. Yeah, I'm sorry that I'm slow. I'm writing this stuff down. Um, no, I'm on good. page two of my notes already, if you can believe that. Okay. I love this. We're going to shift off why is it important. I want to spend most of our time with you on some of the things on how, but maybe yeah. we just did the first how. The first how, like I didn't expect us to have this part of the conversation. I love it, Ravi, is we should start with what are we trying to do? Like, what are we trying to do with, with the people? It better not be, I'm trying to get a deal done. And if, if I'm trying to get a deal done, you're probably not going to be very effective in what you've just described. I love the idea of what experiences do we need to create to go from where we are to an excited buyer that they were confident in your decision. What is the set of experiences that we need to create? And I'm going to guess that there are stories along the way to fuel that set of natural experiences. Am I, am I with you right on that? Yes. Exactly, brother. And to underpin the idea we just spoke about, really, it's what emotion do I want to elicit? As a result of that, what new perspective am I trying to give somebody? And how will that new perspective provoke action? So if you think about it in three ways, that is literally how we operate as human beings, in my opinion, anyway. Now, you know, there are so many different stories I think sales reps could share. You know, you read about, oh, the founder's story, the brand story, the company creation story, this story, that story. And what I've realized is through research, training sales teams, reps, 
and more, I realized it can create overwhelm. It can create so much overwhelm if people have to go and craft these different stories using these really big, lengthy story arcs, which are five, six, seven, eight minutes long. No, no, no. How can we craft just five to begin with? Five. Let's go. Let's go, dude. What are the five Five 90s? 90-second stories, which you can embed as an experience authentically into your discovery and demo. And those five stories that I believe are really important right now is number one, trying to hook your prospect. That is the objective. It's a really short, sharp, and succinct elevator story. So somebody tilts their head and goes, huh, tell me more. That is the goal for that first story. Huh? Tell me more. Nothing more. Not where do I, uh, where can I learn more? Where can I pay? Here's my credit card. No, 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 no. It's, huh, how can I learn more? The second story I think is super important is around developing a connection. Now, when Rob and I first connected, we were sharing personal stories about my newborn, Rob's family, and a connection was fused. So I think reps really need to think about the fact that I've never converted somebody into a paying customer if I haven't connected with them first. So for me, you need connection and conversion, but connection alone won't guarantee a conversion, but that's another story. So really think about the second story as a personal story, which explains how you got to doing what you do today, but also why you do it, the mission you're on, and also showcasing vulnerability so it has your prospect exchange a story in return because that's where the gold lies. Number three, really is focused around building trust. Now, for me, one of the biggest trust accelerators in the world is a customer success story. So how have you helped somebody just like me with a similar DNA go from pain to glory? Okay, not a case study. And the difference between the two is really, really how I see is, I don't know if you've ever gone to the mall and somebody says, hello, sir, would you like this cookie? Uh, They probably don't do it in a British accent. But anyway, would you like this cookie? And they give you a taste. You're like, "Mm, man, that tastes good. Where's the rest of the cookies at? What flavors do you have? What are the ingredients? That's the case study. You want to spark emotion through the tasting sample and then have the case study do the heavy lifting. So an impactful customer success story where your prospect can see themselves in the human being who's the main character. The the fourth story, and I'll tell you all five and then I'll shut up, Rob. No, don't shut up. The fourth one, man, is reversing resistance. Always think about what am I trying to do here? I'm trying to hook somebody. Am I trying to build trust? Okay, I'm trying to reverse resistance. So a story which ultimately handles objections before they even arise. So how can you have somebody- You're a Jedi, man. Oh, I don't know about that, brother. We'll see by the end of the show. <laughs> we'll see by the end of the show, right? But the idea here is how can you have somebody rehearse ultimately handling that objection in their own mind. For example, I say, man, I'm making this up on the spot, right? I say, man, I remember I met this dude called Rob back in, it was November, 2020, and I'm delivering a seminar in London. He stands up, right? He grabs the mic from somebody from my team and he says, ah, Ravi, listen, I like your webinar, seminar rather. I liked your presentation, but the truth is you're too expensive. I can't afford that. I'm out. Then I walk through an example about how ultimately this individual uncovered that they have a problem they need to be solved. They had an aha moment that I could be the guy to support them. And there was a resolution, which ultimately was their transformation for either purchasing the product or having an aha moment, whatever the next stage in the buyer's journey is. So ultimately that handles something before it even arises through the power of story. And the final thing, Rob, 
really is we think about conversion. Now, in a recession, in a downturn, I think the cost of inaction is more powerful than the return on investment. Because if I tell you, you know what? Okay, uh, if you don't act, this is what life would look like. Meaning last year, Rob, I was getting married in October. And I was like, I want to get in the best shape of my life, man. I want to look like a superhero. So I got on a call with this personal trainer. And he said, uh, Ravi, where, where do you think you are, by the way? Where do you think you are on this scale of how you look? And my hubris took over. And I was like, I look like this guy. And he was like, ripped the muscle. And he was like, no, you don't. Here's the reality. And he was like, look, yeah. man, if you don't take action on your wedding day, you're not going to be proud. And you can look back in regret. And I was like, where do I sign? So ultimately, he didn't say, this is what life will be like with your six pack. He said, this is what life will look like if you don't show up if as a healthy don't. human. Yeah. On your wedding day. And I was like, dude, I'm sold. I worked with him. It was great. And I think those five stories are a great way to really arm a seller with the tools they need to craft a memorable experience. The founder's story, company creation stories, other type stories are great. But often they need approval from product. They need approval from the CEO. They need all these different things. These are frictionless and people can do them right now. Dude, this is good. These five stories, I can see how a sales leader can help each member of their team have their own version of those stories too. It's something that doesn't take a ton of time to get a first draft on, but I would imagine, now I want to sit in this for a minute. First of all, brilliant. Love it. I like, this is so great. Amazing value we're giving our sales leaders right now. If anything, just get those five, keep them to two minutes or less, I'm guessing. Right. Um, And I think like a comedian is what I say, Rob. So meaning if you see a comedian come out for a performance, they don't share an eight minute story off the bat because they haven't built rapport with their audience. They share shorter stories to elicit an emotion and then embed longer stories afterwards once they've built rapport. So the same thing, share shorter stories to begin with, to build rapport, and then you can graduate to longer stories. But in a world we live in today, short, succinct, and simple wins. And it also makes it easier to be good at it, right? <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also no makes doubt. it easier to be good, good at it. Okay. Cut. Pause or whatever we need to say for me to get your attention. Because before we get back to the show, I have some breaking news. Okay, listen, ladies and gents, feature selling is dead and story selling is alive. Because if you really want to build trust, stand out and close more deals in a recession, then you need to try something new so you can drive your company to a world of efficiency and profitability. And that's exactly why I've opened up many slots this year for different companies to partner with me for implementing my story selling framework inside of their sales process. Now, the outcomes are all the good stuff. I'm talking about increasing average order value, collapsing time inside of your sales cycle and driving win rates. But more importantly, transforming your team to sell in a way that really focuses on human connection. And hey, that's what I'm all about. So if you're nodding your head right now, then head on down to www theravirajani.com forward slash contact to book your complimentary discovery call to see if there's alignment. And hey, if there is, great. And if there's not, that's cool too. I'll see you on the other side. So I'm looking at these. And I, so I always like to say, and so I'm processing this. So give me a second because I'm, I'm oriented to what you just said because this is, I really, really like this. Yeah. So if I'm a sales leader, we got a bunch of sales leaders listening right now. Yeah. I like the idea of like, do we work on this? Do we have a team meeting on this? Do we have people in the one-on-ones to say, hey, I want to work on your 
trust story. I want to work on your reverse resistance. You, you may have like a couple of reverse resistance stories based on what, what the most common, is this something that you do it in a meeting, and, but you practice them in one-on-ones or would you practice them in a meeting? Like, how would you advise our leaders that they start making this become natural? And because what you don't want to do is do it the first time, like practice on a customer, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about it like this, Kevin Hart, he said on the Jimmy Kimmel show, takes 12 to 18 months to build one hour's worth of rock star comedy material. So let me just put that in perspective for you. That's a world-class comedian, yep. okay? And sales leaders often feel like this is something that should be done in a week and their reps should be fluent storytellers. So like anything, it's a muscle and it's a skill. But what I like to take people through is my signature story selling framework. And by the way, anybody through, like this is, this is a real process that somebody needs to go through. And S is, a, well, story is an acronym, firstly. And S stands for simplify the storytelling fundamentals in a sales context. So what is a story? How does it really differ from a marketing message? What is a classic story arc that we can really use? And ultimately, how does this really arm people with the ability to build rapport, trust, and close more deals? Getting people bought into that. Because once again, we can't impact somebody if we don't have their attention. We need to get everybody's attention and help them understand that this could be something which is going to be a substitute to feature selling. Then T stands for tactically create your story bank. So out of those five stories, don't try and create all of them. Pick one. Start with the elevator story. Because what you really want, it's a big problem that I see is salespeople are saying different things to different people on calls, and there's no congruency in the messaging. It just lacks a lot of scalability. So what you really want to focus on is a short elevator story around eight seconds, great for networking events, and something longer around the 40-second mark, 45-second mark. And start listening to the reps, sharing those on calls. Start listening to their delivery. Start listening to their messaging and get that script out and then focus on O with that script of the story framework. Now, O is obtain delivery mastery. So now you've got the script of that elevator story because you've crafted it, okay? And now you need to learn how to deliver it like a world-class communicator. And how you do that is the most unsexiest way, Rob. What is it? Practice. All right. Like drill like there's no tomorrow. Like think about an athlete doing the reps. So they are doing them in low stakes scenarios so that when it gets to game day, it is natural, it is conversational, and it's personalized. And then we move to R of the story framework, and that's ramp your MVP story. So now you're taking that elevator story to market, you're tweaking, you're iterating, and you're seeing what works and what doesn't. And then we move to why, which is really learning how to track the success with the sales stories and use it in a measurable way, whether it's increased ACV, land more discovery calls, whatever it could be, right, for for you in accordance with that story. And then guess what? You rinse and repeat, you go to the next story, and then you craft as many as you can inside of that story bank, but really less is more. You went back to the story bank. It's interesting that you went there because again, I always, as I listen to a guy like you, that's man, I'm captivated. Like this whole conversation, I feel like you're taking me through stories by the way, which is awesome because I love it and it's easier to process and I can see myself in it. So I'm I'm trying to put myself in the chair of our sales leaders that some of them are CROs that are listening. Some of them are frontline sales managers and everything in between. 
you talked about a story bank. How do you build a good story bank? I would imagine that's a question that the listeners are having. It's like, what is a story bank? How do I know what goes into a story bank? How do yeah. I audit my story bank? How often should I update? Can you just give me yeah. thoughts around story banks for, for a minute? Yes. So I think people like to complicate it. They, they're like, oh, we need this tool and we, we need to purchase this thing. How about Dropbox? And how about just setting up a folder per ICP uh, via persona and ultimately having one story per rep crafted for each of them, right? So get every rep to really craft their story, their elevator story, and then ultimately get everybody to post it into Dropbox or whatever it might be. And then do a mini table read like they would in Hollywood. Okay, read yours out, Jeremy. What do you think? Let's 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 listen to Jeremy's. Oh, okay. What do we like? What do we not like? And do some coaching around that and really focus on getting one story right. Now, here's the issue with that is that different people might have different ways of delivering it. So yep. there's a framework called the PSA framework. Now, a great dude called Victor Antonio, who I had on my podcast, he calls it the SPA method. I like to see it as the PSA framework, which stands for point story audience impact. And then we add a call to action at the end, but point story, audience impact. What's the point? What's the context? What's the conflict? What's the turning point? What's the transformation? What is the audience impact? What does it mean to your prospect? Okay. And then what is the call to action, which is contextual to meeting them with where they are at today. Now you can craft all of those five stories using that simple framework, but you want some scalability around it. So, you know, a lot of the templates uh, that I teach and the scripts that I use, the goal is to have reps follow the script, stage one. Stage two, have them create freedom within that script. And stage three, break it and create their own. But that happens over time. I like that because that's something you could do in your next meeting. You could say, I want everyone to have X story and be prepared to do a, a read of it kind of thing. Or, or I like uploading it to Dropbox and you reassign them and you have other people read the other people's stories. It's, it's yeah. really, yeah, it's yeah, without having names on it without even having the names where it came from on it. And I like that because you're going to get people to become more fluent. Cause I guess that's my biggest question around this right now. Like I'm thinking it's easier for people that have been for a lot of people. Like when I work with sales leaders, they tell me, Rob, time and territory is the number one predictor of success of a rep. I hate it when I hear that. I hate it. When I hear time and territory is my biggest predictor, it always bugs me. I think that's a lazy way out. But the longer you've been doing this, the longer you've been with the company or in the industry or whatever, the easier it's going to be to have your own personal story bank. Can we create story banks that are replicable for like a brand new rep, for example? Can we talk about having it be the company stories that other people adopt to make theirs versus their own personal stories? Yeah, totally, brother. And I'll take it back to, I was, I'll take it back to February or March. Can't remember exactly, but March earlier this year, let's run with that. And I was in Vegas speaking okay. at Crunchbase's sales yeah. kickoff. Awesome. And it was the first time that a lot of their team had actually met face to face. And there were new reps, some seasoned reps. And the interesting thing here is, is they all had different experiences, but the common goal was they had all come together to learn about storytelling for the day. And one of the most impactful things you can do for a new seller is help them understand that they have a story to tell. Because often the narrative going on in their mind is, I have nothing to offer. I'm just an 
SDR, I'm just this, just that. But it's helping people believe and understand that they have a story worth telling. So what I did was have them craft an elevator story and their own personal story. So they realize the impact of actually what they're doing as a company, the problem they're solving, but also who they are as a human and how that is valuable in itself. That is valuable in itself. Your origin story, your experience, and why you are where you are today is valuable in itself. So I think really helping people just shift the narrative around story is important. But it's something you said, Rob, which has stuck with me, which is how can you get a predictor or how can you predict if somebody is going to be a top rep? Well, everybody says great reps are good storytellers, but how do you notice if somebody's a good storyteller? Well, try this, ladies and gents. In your next team meeting, what I'd like you to do is pick. Susie. And you say, Susie, today, what you're going to do is stand up in front of everybody and you're going to share in 60 seconds, a little story about something that you're super passionate about right now outside of work. Okay. And tell everybody why. But here's the thing, ladies and gents, Susie's going to pick three of you straight afterwards to share a 45 second story about a recap or with regards to a recap of it. What's important to Susie? And you've got to focus on making her feel seen, heard, and understood. And Susie's going to pick one person who made her feel the most seen, heard, and understood. And guess what? You'll get a very good inkling for who is a good listener, which is the first point to being a great storyteller. Rob, this is awesome. You're right. This is awesome. That I didn't even anticipate that. Can we talk about why the role of, because you're right. There are a lot of press play salespeople that are feature dumping. And if they're not careful, they could be a press play salesperson that are story. I'm just, well, you told me to tell the story. I told the freaking story, right? You know, like context is always, uh, Gary Vee's famous for saying that context is more important than content. And I would imagine that being a great storyteller means you do have the right story bank, but you are a great listener and I can match. Now I'm doing the connection of this situation with this story. And so I think that's probably would be letting our listeners down if we didn't talk about for a second. Listen, yeah. if you want to be an amazing storyteller, if you want to create that kind of trust that you talked about, if you want to create that kind of connection, if you want to avoid being icky, the best listeners will become the best storytellers. Is that right? I believe so, brother. And I think the narrative is, oh, you're an extrovert. Yeah, you're, you can talk a lot. You should yeah. be a great storyteller. And it's actually the complete opposite, in my opinion. You know, often... The right story with the wrong person is still the wrong story. So mm. a guy- No, no, called, no. Say that again. Say that. That's a killer <laughs> drop. Say that again. The right story shared with the wrong person is still the wrong story. And what's very interesting is, I don't know about you, and I've really had to work on my listening over the years. And one of the things that's very interesting is a lot of the time when we are listening to somebody- we're actually secretly thinking about what we can say next, which makes us look smart, sound smart, gain acceptance or whatever it might be. But there's a guy called Ty Bennett who talks about the power of two. And he said, before sharing a story, before sharing a message, your job is to, instead of jumping in with, oh my God, I experienced that as well. Oh my God, my nan went through the same thing. Oh my God, we had a prospect. Your job is to ask two high impact questions that they haven't been asked before and then share your story. Because the worst thing is when a friend is being vulnerable with you and they're like, man, I just went through this breakup. And you go, oh my God, me too. Last year when I happened, I was eating loads of chocolate. I was crying my eyes out every night. And they're like, yeah, but 
we're talking about me. This has nothing to do with you. You're not making me feel seen here. Versus tell me more about that, man. And dude, that must be so difficult for you because of your past experiences in your relationship. How are you feeling about trusting people in the future? Dude, I remember like last year when I broke up with Susie, I went to, right? Do you see what I mean? Two questions. Then you can share your story. You then make somebody feel seen, heard, and understood. And you quieten down the noise in your mind and that urge to interject. Seen, heard, and understood. That might be the title for our episode, man. Seen, Mm. heard, and understood Yeah, uh, through storytelling. I think you just hit a so what that I wouldn't have anticipated we get to. I thought we would talk about trust. We kind of mentioned it, but we only have like six minutes left in this. Can you believe it's been almost 45 minutes already? It's crazy, man. Crazy, bro. Seeing her and understood, that's the second or third time you brought that up. Maybe that's a good place for us to wrap this because I want to give plenty of time for you to tell people how to get a hold of you and what you got going on. Yeah. We'll come back with some final thoughts, but let's talk about you started with trust. I, I think that seeing her and understood are raw materials for trust in a way I've never thought about before. I have my own trust framework and a bunch of things, but seeing her and understood that that's something, man. Would you spend just a minute or two talking about why that matters so much for a salesperson? Yeah, I think, you know, if we go even deeper as to why it matters for human beings in general, you know, if I think about, think about a friend in your life right now, those of you listening right now, think about a friend in your life and somebody who is there for you, no matter what, who truly understands you and truly connects with you to your core. Now that person arguably makes you feel seen, right? For who you truly are. They listen to you. They don't interject. They listen to you. They don't give advice. They listen to you. They make you feel heard and they make you feel understood without judgment. Now, how do you know what that feels like versus what that, we know the complete opposite should feel like? Well, think about friends who you've distanced yourself from. We've all got those because they didn't truly connect with you. And maybe at some point you grew differently and they didn't make you feel seen, heard, and understood, right? So sometimes we need to know what you know bad feels like to understand what good feels like. Now, if we take it to a prospect, the same occurs. The most coolest thing is when a prospect goes, oh my God, man, I never thought about it that way. Or, oh, you literally, are you in my head? You're in my head. Are you doing some, you know, like um, hypnotist stuff? Because you're in my head, man. You are a Jedi. (laughs) You're explaining my pain better than I could have described it myself. And when somebody feels like you can understand their pain, oh, it's so cool, man. That's when a real relationship is formed because some of the most powerful relationships that I developed with other people is through vulnerabilities and through our pain. And together, we can go through some form of a transformation. And for your prospects, that is helping them solve their business problem. Dude, so good. Ravi, I'm pissed that we're starting around out of time because I want to give enough time to, to make sure they connect you. I, oh, good, I, I hope that you'll agree to come back sometime next year. We do another run at this thing and, and we'll have some video segments of you and Sales Leadership United where people are going to want to check out like the video of this conversation, I think. Yeah. We'll come back to your final thoughts in a second. How do people get more of you? How do they you know, get access to what you're doing? How do they get to your frameworks? How do they you know, follow you or, or work with you or consult with you or any of the above? How, how do they get more of what Ravi's got to offer? Well, thank you for asking, brother. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed, especially right now, is in the world that we live in, everybody says, ditch feature selling, 
stop feature bombing, stop selling with functionality. But the problem is, is I don't feel that people have a tangible alternative that's scalable. And that's why I've really been focused on using my story selling framework that I spoke about today and wrapping it up into a bootcamp for reps to actually go through and for sales leaders to truly implement in a scalable way. And that's one of the things I'm super passionate about right now, brother, and taking that to sales teams and helping them use storytelling in times of a downturn. It's so cool because seeing people's faces when they understand there's a new way and a better way is it's just so dope, man. So for anybody that's interested in learning more about that, the best place to get a hold of me on is LinkedIn at Ravi Rajani. So send me a connection request and use, well, I suppose, DM me with the word story. DM me with the word story to simply learn more, but regardless, it would be dope to connect. Ravi, this was amazing. We got, like I said, about 50,000 people that will be pulling this down. Any final thoughts for a large, a worldwide base of sales leaders that I'm sure have enjoyed this as much as I have? And I always feel selfish. I I get to meet with with great, amazing leaders (laughs) like yourself, and I feel like it makes me better. And that's my litmus test to know if it was a good conversation or not. I'm motivated, dude. I'm I'm fired up. I'm ready to go have a conversation with someone right now because of this conversation. Any uh, final thanks. thoughts you would have for these listeners, these leaders, as they get ready to lead teams and, and help their teams get ready for what will probably be a different challenge next year? Yeah, brother. You know, I can't remember who exactly said this quote, but I heard it some time ago. And it said, focus on winning the relationship versus winning the deal. Because when you win the relationship, whether a deal is a byproduct of that, it's it's uncertain. But when you win the relationship, the most beautiful things that can happen, not necessarily deals, but maybe your next job, not necessarily your next job, but maybe a friend for life. I don't know, but I like to really focus on winning the relationship because the byproduct is something great for both if it's in alignment. So I think with your team next year in tough times, If there's opportunities to focus on having an infinite mindset, like Simon Sinek would call it, we're thinking more long-term and focus on winning the relationship and using storytelling as a tool to do that. Man, I'd love hanging out with people and them solving my problems because they end up being friends versus people who's trying to shove features down my throat because they need to meet quota next month. Otherwise, they're going to be let go, right? It's a funny world that we're living in, but I think, remember focus on winning the relationship. I think that's where where trust is built. And I think that's the future of, of setting. If it's not already now, it should be. I told you guys when I introduced that you're going to like this conversation. I hope that this was one that makes you guys fired up and start rethinking how you'll be helping your team win. If 2023 is a year where we got to upgrade, upgrade how we win those relationships. Ravi, this has been an epic conversation. Uh, his name is Ravi Rajani. He is helping salespeople around the world connect with customers in a way that they win the relationship long before they win the deal. And he does it by helping people use stories to help people feel seen, heard, and understood. Raji, this was even better than I thought. I wish you only the very greatest success. Thank you for being willing to spend an hour of time with our base of listeners. And as I say to everyone, happy selling, my man. have a question for you my friend and that question is is what would it take to have you subscribe to the influential communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast 
platform of choice. Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value. So hey, the more the word gets out about this podcast, the more people we can gather on this mission. So if you could support me, then hey, that would be dope. And if not, that's dope too. Either way, I got love for you. All right, I'll see you on the other side.